I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women and I am a woman. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, thanks for downloading this Kermit on Film podcast. This week, we're joined again by Jack Howard. Jack, Hello. How are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Um, Okay, so I'm particularly excited about uh, this week's discussion. What are we discussing this week? We're going to decide, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to form a definitive list <laughs> of what is the best Steven Spielberg film. Okay. We're so, not going defi- to define a, a definitive list. We're going to argue. We're going to argue. So are we, we've chosen three each, right? Yes. And then we're going to, we'll, we'll sort of have a, a duke match. So do you, how do you want to do it? Do you want to alternate? Like, you know, I think we should just have a chat. Okay, and and, and I, I'm just interested to know what your choices are. And okay. I've also got like, a thought of what I think your choices will be. Okay, tell me what you think my choices would be. I think Jaws will probably be number one. Yes. I think that... I'm, I'm, maybe E.T. might be in there, but maybe something like uh, Schindler's List and maybe Saving Private Ryan. Oh, two out of three. Oh, okay. Okay, so, Go on. fine. So, Jaws is a work of genius. I think there's no question about it. I remember really clearly going to see Jaws, um, the ABC Turnpike Lane, when it first came out. I'd read the book, the Peter Benchley novel, because it was that period when posters for movies would be up for a long time before the movies came out. The soundtrack albums would be in shops a long time, before, and every single railway station would sell the right. paperback. It was the same with Exorcist. It was the same with Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. You'd read the book by the time you saw the thing. So I'd read the book of Jaws, so I knew you know, the story. But nothing could prepare me for the opening scene. I still think the death crazy at the beginning of that film is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And I literally, not metaphorically, I literally thought, I am going to lose control of my bodily functions. I am right. going to suffer the indignity of wetting myself in a cinema because I am so scared. Come on in the water! Take it easy. Take it easy. And then after that, the rest of the film isn't a horror film in the same way. The rest of the film is a, you know, is a, is a thriller and it's about the relationship between the, the people. And I was interested in the way in which the script had very cleverly changed some of the themes of the novel. The novel is very much about you know, um, 
Ellen having the relationship with Hooper, and that's why Hooper has to die. And in the film, Ellen doesn't have the relationship with Hooper, so Hooper lives. I know people say, "Oh, yeah," but it's to do with the fact that the shark ate the cage. And, yeah, <laughs> it is, and it isn't. There is a there's a narrative reason why Hooper can't die because he hasn't he hasn't had the relationship with Ellen. Therefore, there's no sense in him dying. And every time I go back and look at that film. What I love about it is the joy in it. Um, uh, you know, I, I made a, a documentary about The Exorcist, which was directed, uh, produced by Nick Freen Jones, who had made a documentary about Jaws, and we've had conversations about this, and Nick's talked about going back and seeing the, 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 the remaining relic of the orca, um, because there are bits, there are various different versions of the boat, but there are bits of it still washed up around uh, the areas of Martha's Vineyard, and you can kind of go out to it and touch it, and it is like a the phrase used was, it's like the, it's like the true cross, you know, it's, it's a... It's a movie that you want to live in because you want to live in amity. You want to live in the, you know, in the company of those people. I love, I love everything about it. I think it's just great. It's a brilliant example of how a score can solve all those problems for you. So absolutely, it is a timeless piece of cinema, and I think it's genuinely terrifying. No one's arguing with that. Et phone home. Et phone home. Et phone home. He wants to call somebody. <laughs> What's all this shit? E.T. Phone home. My God, he's talking. Oh. E.T. Phone home? E.T. Phone home. E.T. I think is wonderful because I'm a rank sentimentalist and I... I love the fact that that film. Firstly, it's you know it is Spielberg's most personal film. It is a film made by somebody whose parents broke up when he was young and who never got over it, and who you know felt out of place and felt awkward, and somehow puts all of that personal stuff into this story about a space alien being left on Earth. Yep. And everything about it is wonderful. And I, I had this um, when I was making the Alien documentary some years ago. We went to interview Carlos Rambaldi because he had um, he had worked on Alien and he had also worked on ET. And uh, he in his studio there was uh, there was the ET model, the animated, the animatronic version of the model, and it was lying on its side. And I said, "What? What? What's that?" He said, "Oh, well, there's an anniversary coming up, and you know they want me to make it work again so they can put it in a in a Virgin store or something. You know, the original ET." And I said, "That's." But I said, "Is that actually?" It? He said, "Well, there's." He said, that's the one that we used. And it was literally lying like, like E.T. looks after they find yeah. him in the, in the river. You know, you want to start his thing. And you I want said, to try and save him. You do. And, it was, and I, I said, it's, it's amazing. Can I, can I touch it? He went, yeah, it's fine. I've got to, you know, because it, it's all polymethacellulase, whatever it is, it's got to be redone. And I reached out, and I'm not making this up, this is true. And I reached out to touch E.T.'s finger and it fell off. <laughs> I, just, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I was yeah. like expecting magic. I, was, no, I thought you were going to be like, off. and it lit up. It literally fell off. <laughs> I'll be right here. But the third one is AI. And I'm almost inclined to say that it's the one that I feel the most personally attached to because it's the one that I really didn't like when it came out. And um, my wife, Linda, who's a professor of film, is writing about Spielberg, um, 
saw AI and said, you know, you have to see that film again. And I said, why? She said, I don't like it. She said, no, but you, you don't understand it. You've got it wrong. You've misjudged it. And I had seen it in New York when it first came out. And I was I just thought it was all over. But I had, I had these real... Uh, sort of film critic snobby opinions about Steven Spielberg doing a Stanley Kubrick film, you know, how dare he? When, of course, it never really was a Stanley Kubrick film. It was always really going to be a... Yeah, I was going to ask you, how true is that? Well, that people story, obviously it, think that it's him finishing Kubrick's work. Yeah, it's... No, basically, what the, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a long version of the story, but the short version of the story is that, that Kubrick had worked on AI for a long time, various versions of AI... In fact, I know somebody who at one point was employed by Kubrick to see whether it was possible to build a robot child for use in the film. Because Kubrick's big problem was this. Kubrick shoots lengthily, okay? And the problem that they had was Kubrick making a film that relied on the performance of a child in which the child didn't grow up during that. Now, obviously, The Shining and Danny and all that we know about, but it was an issue because it was such a technical thing there was no way that Kubrick was going to be able you know he's going to have a problem he was going to start making AI and the kid was going to stop being the kid so he did this person I know was uh, uh, sent off to, to research for a year whether it was possible to make a robot child and they came back and said no it's not and that was okay fine so that of course it's not I mean I could have told you that but you know in, without in, all the research in Stanley Kubrick world you go and get somebody to go and prove that it's not possible to do I'll take his money why not and Spielberg and Kubrick were passing it back and forth back and forth back and forth and Spielberg, Kubrick said to Spielberg, this is, your, this is a you movie, this isn't a me movie. And what he meant was, you do this stuff, right? You make films with kids. You understand, you know, you shoot fast. And Spielberg does. I mean, despite the fact that Jaws ran over schedules, Spielberg could do it. And you look at AI and you think, okay, there, there is the proof that he could do it. And so I don't think, I think the whole thing about it being a Stanley Kubrick um, thing that Steven Spielberg hijacked is co- totally bogus. Also, all the things that people think are Steven Spielberg are Kubrick. The thing at the end with the super mecha coming down, you know, which look like the creatures from Close Encounters, that's in the Kubrick version. So it, Kubrick had handed it over. It wasn't that Spielberg took it away from him. Kubrick had worked with it and figured that it wasn't a film that he could do, and Spielberg took it on. And I actually think it's brilliant. And I was so surprised when I saw it the second time around because it was one of the things that taught me a really strong lesson, which is that it's possible to misjudge a film because of what your, your presumptions are about what it should be mm. and what your prejudices are about the way it was made. And then when you see it again years later, I was... It, it really affected me. I think the scene when when the mother has to take um, her robot son, who is to that that point her son, out into the woods and let him go because she doesn't want him to be returned and destroyed, is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. And there are also there are scenes. Well, I think I think the flesh fair stuff is overcooked. You can see the kind of the echoes of you know, of World War Two and, and the atrocities and all that stuff in, in the back of it. And I, I do find that Flesh Fest stuff really, really upsetting. Although I think it's overcooked and hokey, I still think it's upsetting. And I think David's relationship with Teddy is brilliant. The Jiminy Cricket stuff, the way that works is is, is fantastic. It and seems I, to me that you got the most to sort of say about AI, probably yeah. because you've had such a journey with it. Yeah, no, and that's it. I mean, I really, that's, I have really, it has become the talisman film for me. So to me now, I, I, I think of AI and I, I automatically sort of go into a sort of state of wobbliness. Listen to me. David? 
David, listen. No. You won't understand the reasons, but I I have to leave you here. Is it a game? When will you come back for me? I'm not, David. You'll you have to be here by yourself. Oh. Those are your those are your three. three of mine. Yeah, so that's so that's that's my three. So I would think that your three Go would on. be well, I'm assuming Jaws. Yeah, it's in there. Okay. I haven't really got an order. I no, no, that's just, fine. So yeah. I'm assuming that one of them would be Jaws. Um, I'm inclined to think that one of them would be Close Encounters. No. Nope. No, okay. And I actually watched Close Encounters again recently, like within the last few months, and realised that I think it's a bit all over the place. Like, I think it has it like... depends which version, but I mean... Right, okay. Well, I didn't even know there was multiple versions. Oh, right. How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, I thought that it There's was... the long version, which is actually shorter than the short version. Right, which is right. <laughs> I thought it was just a bit strange that, you know, all the, the family stuff I felt was a bit, a bit weird that you're... F- uh, you know I can't re- remember specifics but like it's just I just found it all a bit like dramatic and, 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 and over the top and a bit strange sometimes and somebody's somebody, is somebody cheating on somebody in, in, in the film or something like no, that the, the, the main part of the story is that Dreyfus is, is, is going mad yeah. and that his family cannot understand why he's going mad yes. and he becomes completely obsessed with building the mound and he builds it out of potato and then he builds it out of mud and his wife and the p- whole point about the film is in the end, he leaves his wife and children and goes off in the spaceship. And Spielberg said later that he would never have made that film That's... once he'd been married and had yeah. kids because he just felt that it was wrong that the father just abandoned... That's exactly you know. my... Yeah, that's, so I was, I was yeah, 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 misremembering, but, yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. exactly what I was like. So that's it, it, a bit it of a strange arc. Yeah, no, and it is. I mean, that's what's so weird about it. It is about somebody who says, bye! Yeah, you know? it's a little bit like um, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, like ending up with the... The wrong woman. With yeah. the wrong woman. It's yeah. like, you, no, you've made the wrong... Yeah. You made the wrong film. Okay, so my foot... It's not Hook. Please tell me it's not Hook. No, it's not. No, no, like, you do love Hook, Hook. Hook has a place in my heart specifically because I loved Peter Pan as a child and okay. I was the right age to enjoy Hook. And okay. none of the weird stuff where all of a sudden Julia Roberts becomes a, a full grown Tinkerbell seemed weird when I was a kid yeah. but you watch it as an adult now and you go this is mental um, okay so have you gone for Bridge of Spies no no my three okay go on would Ooh, be you're more mysterious than I thought you were Jurassic Park oh of course it's stupid me of course your age of course it's Park. <laughs> uh, Catch Me If You Can oh brilliant choice very good choice and Jaws yeah, yeah so okay. I think that Jurassic Park in the way that Jaws is not about a shark, yeah. it is not about dinosaurs. No. It is about fatherhood. It is about becoming ready for fatherhood. It is about a relationship with another generation and playing God and how that parenthood is a form of playing God and you know all that sort of stuff. And there's some wonderful imagery in that that I cannot unsee now when I when I watch the movie. All the stuff, all the parallels between the car and the footprints and the egg and then the the footprints are very just similar parallels that clearly Spielberg is obsessed with fatherhood yeah um, well we've just been making this program about disaster movies for Secrets of Cinema and we put Jurassic Park in there because it is a disaster movie it's mm. you know it's a classic you know look man built this brilliant thing what could possibly go wrong oh everything you know, the rides start eating the tourists <laughs> but of course the main arc of it is Sam Neill who doesn't like kids yeah gets to like kids yeah and that's the, that's the absolutely classic disaster movie arc the person who's a bit not very great 
gets into the upturn ship or the fiery bill, whatever it is, and discovers that there is more to life than, than, than what they thought of at the beginning. It's, it's a lot of little things in it that I like. I like at the beginning when he's on the way in the helicopter and you see his practical... Uh, he can't figure out the seatbelt. So he just ties them together. And you're like, oh, I know the sort of man he is. Yeah. And I like the fact that you wait so long for the T-Rex to come out. And when it does, it still holds up today. And it's still, you know, I watch it and I turn the lights off at that moment. I want to be in full darkness for that yeah. sequence of the Jurassic, uh, of the, of the T-Rex the escaping. The Velociraptors in the kitchen is Incredible. terrifying. It is still terrifying. But what I mean about the T-Rex bit is that all of a sudden he goes, no one cares about the geography. So he's been, he's playing with geography the entire time and he makes sure everyone knows where everyone is. But then all of a sudden where the T-Rex came from is all of a sudden a steep drop. Okay. And he's making you feel disoriented and weird about the place and I just like the fact that no one cares and he just needed it to be a steep drop now and so it just is <laughs> I, li- I like that sort of stuff um, I like that it's a constant tension machine it just is yeah. even like when it's not to do with dinosaurs like the, 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 the fence um, being turned on yeah that is a brilliant sequence it's amazing because she's, she's about to electrocute them uh, yeah. yeah exactly and, but it's, it's, again it's just it's just characters who are in completely different places are still yeah. having an effect on each other's lives yeah. and the, 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 really glass smart. Of, the glass of water shaking is, a, is an earthquake moment isn't yeah. it? I mean that's just that is just brilliant and that's, all of Jeff Goldblum's speech uh, around the table where all the projectors are on and just being like you didn't stop to think if you should do it um, all of that is all the stuff that you want to fast forward through as a kid mm. but then you realise as an adult oh this is the this is the meat this when is we the were stuff making that's interesting the secret of cinema about science fiction at one point we had a draft of it that literally began and ended with Jeff Goldblum doing that speech mm-hmm. because it's it's so much of science fiction is about that you know you, 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 you were so eager to see whether you could you didn't stop to think whether you should yeah. and I I remember being in the centre. I saw it at the Empire. I think it was the Empire, the Emperor of the Odeon in Leicester Square, when I when I first saw it, and it was on the front cover of Sight and Sound magazine. That was how seriously Jurassic Park was taken. Sight and Sound put it on the front cover, and that speech when Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. does that, it was just you kind of felt like okay. I can take or leave the dinosaurs yeah. now, but then when the dinosaurs come there, oh, that's really good. That's yeah, really, really, it's really amazing, good and dinosaurs. it still holds up. John inherent. Uh, in what you're doing here, genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling <laughs> generalizations. Uh, if I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't start to think if they should. And, and I know another little moment that my, I've just been reminded of is the ice cream scene. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's just things like that, like putting that in a movie of that scale. You just but when everything's falling apart, yeah. and sitting there eating ice cream, and, and it's and you know, and the ice cream is melting, and it's it's very obvious metaphors, but also like it's character affirming stuff, and it's it's good. It's like really like like settling for a moment to see how yeah. people really feel about what's happening in the moment, yeah. and it wasn't afraid to like do 
horrible things like finding an arm and uh, and really yeah, being that, scary that, the arm is very jaws though isn't it yes it's, forget, ve- you know, it's jaws- the bit where you find the guy yeah, in the cage exactly i mean jaws is i mean i was astonished that jaws was an all audiences certificate mm. movie i mean it was an ace to get when it opened up here which meant you could watch it but you had to have parental guidance which meant you had to say mum do you mind if i see a film in which a shark kills people even jurassic park is pg which is astonishing I know. because it's but that's spielberg's genius isn't it is making those movies as edgy as they can but people don't swear in them yep that's the key there's thing only that, like one swear word i think in jurassic yeah. i might be wrong but like but it's it's not a sweary film it's not it's, you, know. Uh, you know you've got sam jackson going hold on to your butts <laughs> and, that, and that's the the, the, uh, yeah. the iconic line see the tyrannosaur uh, uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules the essence uh, of chaos um, i'm still not clear on chaos Oh, oh, it, 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 it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability in complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park you get rain instead of sunshine. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, so look, Jaws and that I think we can completely agree on. Because I think that Jurassic Park is Jaws turned up. That's, that's sort yeah. of how that, it feels yeah, like. No, yeah, yes, I would agree. It feels like a polished version of yeah. what Jaws is. Yeah, and I'm embarrassed that I didn't immediately say that. that caused it. So, so in the same way as I have AI, you have Catch Me If You Can. I think Catch Me If You Can is perfect. Okay, so go. Um, I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance. Yes, I would agree. I think he's incredible in it. I oh, just love the journey of all of it. I, I find it all incredibly charming and fun uh, and sad uh, and tense. I love um, the the beginning when you, again, it's Spielberg, you are introduced to how Leonardo DiCaprio as a 16-year-old boy feels about his father. Just the pushing shots on him and how much he admires him. And he's the first person to clap when he says the uh, two cheese, uh, two, two cheese, two, two, two mice are stuck in a, a bucket of cream. Yeah. Like when he's doing that speech and he, he's the first person to clap, you go, I know exactly what your motivation is for this film now. It's to impress your father. You want to be like him. Um, and your father is Christopher Walken. And your cr- father is Christopher Walken. <laughs> it's like, it's a, the of big shoes to fill. Um, Don't look it. And just the, the the you know it's it's all so beautifully set up the the single takes that aren't showy of him finding out that his mother is cheating on his father and she's in the background I'll make you a sandwich or do you want some money and then keeps bringing her, and it's just letting it hold mm-hmm. on how horrible that must feel um, and then you know seeing how amazing like <laughs> of a performer he is straight away when he goes in and pretends to be the um, substitute teacher. Yeah. Quiet down! 
people. My name is Mr. Abignail. That's Abignail, not Abignali, not Abignali, but Abignail. Now, somebody please tell me where you left off in your textbooks. Excuse me, people, if I need to ask again, I'm gonna write up the entire class. Take your seats! Chapter seven. Will you please open your textbooks to uh, chapter eight, and we'll get started? Excuse me, what's your name? Brad. Brad, why don't you get up here, in front of the class here, and read conversation number five. Love that. I love it so much. And then, like, his father finds it funny. Like, it's just constantly reminding there you is, there is how great, characters feel about the decisions that are being made. There is great joy in it. The scenes in which he's wrangled his way onto the airlines. And there's yeah. these fantastic sweeping shots of him walking across the runway, you know, with sort of hordes of stewardesses yeah, yeah, behind yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. It's, Set to um, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, which is, which is wonderful because it's like it's, it's knowing and wry about the setting. I love Who are you here to pick up? And the guy gets out and, hand, and holds up a sign that says Hanratty. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it knows that it's being tongue in cheek and and it's being silly but it's also treating it with real stakes and yeah. real emotion and of course it, it, the fact that it's a true story makes it all mm -hmm. the more a stop because you know the, the structure of it is incredible at the beginning showing him on the game show knowing that he gets out of it alive mm. and then intercutting that with him at the prison showing immediately you get a relationship between Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio where he cares about him yes you, you you're already introduced in the first few minutes to the idea that these two are more than just criminal and, and cop and it's not in a sort of um, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino way where they have yeah. a mutual respect it's a genuine yeah, like yeah. he cares for him and, and wants yeah. to get him, make him well yeah and of course the fact that the narrative then means that they do end up working together because yeah. all the way through it's clear that Hanks is I mean he, he he's impressed by how how this is being done despite the fact that he that he detests that it's being done and you kind of want them to get on you mm -hmm. want them to be friends but I mean I, I when I first saw it I knew nothing about it and in fact I think that I'd been told it was a comedy um because it had quite a comedic poster you know with the the arrows the kind yeah. of soul bass like design and the, mm -hmm. the characters running the silhouettes it. yeah um, and it's, it almost looked like a sort of pink panther style romp and the opening credits are definitely like that what surprised me was that it's much darker than that. There, there is a, there's all that levity and all that fun and all that brio and all that just being excited by, you know, the world is an exciting place, but there is a lot more going on under the surface. And I, I, what I hadn't expected when I first saw it was that when it, when it turns, when it gets under the surface, you're talking about that scene with the mother, it, it is, it's, it's, all, it's all there. It's not just surface froth. And I think that the reason why it, can be so light and fancy free when it wants to be is because you are following a teenage boy living out a fantasy <laughs> of I can be James Bond at the age of 17 and I can be all these different uh, you know, I can be an airline pilot I can be a surgeon and I can fool everybody into thinking that I am something that I'm not and when it's when it begins that way you think oh this is fun and then it starts to be like no no this is this, this is taking its toll on him and he's and he's he's bit off more than he can chew um, and I think that it does that arc and 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 sees that through in a very very smooth way you don't really even notice the change so when he starts to feel the pressure you start to feel the pressure as well because at yeah. first you're just having fun with him um yeah i just i think it's just brilliant i think there's nothing in it that i don't like i love the way it's shot i think it's very different to the way you know spielberg uses all his old tricks but i think it's also very different to the way that he usually shoots things it doesn't specifically immediately feel like spielberg because because the, the handheld is is, is is more often used he 
uses a lot more sort of frantic um, cuts than he usually use, right. uses, I think. Even the score is not very traditionally John Williams. Okay. And here's a question for you, actually. Yeah. How much do you think that John Williams' scores make Spielberg movies Spielberg movies? Because I would argue that even though there are quotes that you can take from all of his huge successes, mm-hmm. I think that if you say Jaws or Jurassic Park, you know, those types of big movies or E.T., the first thing that people will do is think of the music. Mm. What do you think? Edgar Wright said this really interesting thing, which was he said that he thought the reason that the John Williams scores were, were so important was, what's the last score that you can sing? And the answer is, it'll be a John Williams score. Harry I mean, Potter. You know. Okay, fine. But you know, it's, 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 it's Williams. I mean, the, actually, I, mean, I suspect that people would sing, uh, you know, a, a, closing, a Spielberg. I mean, Harry Potter is singable. But of course it, I just it, mean the last score that I can think of that's new. Yeah, yeah, it, no, no, it's a bit of video. Yeah, well, I, actually, I, Harry Potter score. Da, 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 yeah. but even if you say something, sing a recent movie score, right? It probably, if I'm going to pick a recent movie score, and it's because it's obviously so ingrained in the in pop culture now, yeah. but it probably would be the um, the Avengers theme. Okay, because I think that that's been like hammered in now okay. that we, they want people to remember rem- remember that one. But I think the last great memorable score. Mm. Is Harry Potter? Yeah. Okay. Fine. So, but so it's Williams. It's not Williams and Spielberg, but it's Williams, right? So the point is, Williams writes singable scores, and particularly when Williams is working with Spielberg, he writes themes that are the film. Okay. So, you know, all that stuff. That's. I think that's what you mean. I don't think it's true of the later Spielberg movies. I think although people can sing Schindler's List. Um, you know, I know it sounds like a but you can, you know, you know that you, the, the violin yeah. pieces. That you know what I mean. But if I said to you, "Tell me the theme from Ready Player One," yeah, no, you couldn't. No. If I said, "Tell me the theme from Bridge of Spies," no, nope. no, fine. And uh, to be fair, obviously they haven't had as long, which is which is why you know when people talk about the new Star Wars scores and they're oh, like, right, oh, I, I, don't, I can't immediately remember Kylo's theme or Ray's theme. It's yeah. like give it a bit of time to to, to sink in. Yeah. You've had thirty years to remember the. Other okay, ones. well, fine. Well, sing me the theme from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, you're right. I can't. So the point is, I think that when people say the Williams, the William Spielberg thing, they mean a particular bit of William Spielberg. Yeah. They mean the bit which is, you know, when Raiders, uh, you know, the, the close encounters. Th- that's what they mean. Oh my god! No, I need to change my third one. Well, oh why? You're going to do Raiders. It needs to be Last, Last Crusade. Oh, okay. Fine. It needs to be Last Crusade because Indiana Jones to me feels like a completely separate thing. I forget sometimes that it's Spielberg. Well, there we it go. It has to be Last Crusade rather than Catch Me If You Can. Rather than Jaws. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh my God! You're going to say that Last Crusade's a better film than Jaws? I'm not going to say that definitively. You're insane. I'm just going to say that, like, for me, if I'm going to if I'm going to pick a movie to watch, I think I'd rather watch Harrison Ford and Sean Connery argue with each other. Junior. Yes, sir. It is you, Junior. Don't call me that, please. Well, what are you doing here? I came to get you. What do you think? I think I'm going to have to okay, you go are for that. Clinically crazy. I don't know if that's true. I think I think that I <laughs> think that like I grew up with a different. But what's brilliant is you didn't throw out Catch Me If You Can, right? No. Because, and actually, well done for not doing that because that'd be like me throwing out throwing out AI. But but you, and you didn't throw out Jaws. You've you've literally thrown out Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Over. I think I think that it would be it would be it would be a very close fourth. But I think that in terms of my enjoyment, I would say that it goes Jurassic Park, Catch Me If You Can, and The Last Crusade. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's that. Wow. And maybe I haven't been shocked in a long time. I was. I, I, I mean, I, I wonder if the listeners would be more shocked by me picking the Last Crusade or you picking AI. I think that people will know that I've I've got this thing for AI because I've I've you know it's you've uh, had a personal journey with it. I have, and I'm and you know I'm I'm I am often guilty of oversharing. I think I have <laughs> uh, I think I have talked about this personal journey a lot, but it's it means I mean I could literally right now right now I'm about to go off and see a film that I'm very excited about, but if you said to me I'll actually you can put that on hold and I'll show you AI. I would watch AI again. Right. AI has now got it's got its hooks in me. It's got its hooks in me, and I, I can't. It, I, it, it's so much. I mean, this may sort of relate to you know you and and uh, Last Crusade. So much of it is to do with your own investment totally. in the movie, the times that you've had with the movie. My, you know? I grew up being a huge fan of James Bond, and my dad said, "Here's a film that James Bond is in." And it's a bit like a Bond film, but, you know, yeah. he's a bit like a cowboy, yeah. you know, something like that. <laughs> and I get to see James Bond and Indiana Jones hang out, and it's got all that amazing humour in it that has influenced me so much, As you know, because I make a lot of comedies. It's got that bit in it where he's like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to find this hard to explain. But the bit where he's like... Um, he's he's out of the country. He speaks a million languages. With any luck, he's got the Grail already. And it's like this huge pushing <laughs> shot, and it just smash cuts to him going, "Does anyone here speak English?" <laughs> and it's just that amazing sense of humour that as I've carried into all the stuff that I've made. Oh. And you know, it's, it's it's this big adventure movie. It's it's so good, and it's not really about anything other than the adventure. It's not like I can point to it and be like, Jurassic Park is not about dinosaurs. It's well, it is obviously, but it's it's about fatherhood. Yeah. In Jones and the Last Crusade is kind of about a relationship between a father and a son, but it's not like the theme. Yeah. It's it's about finding the yeah. Holy Grail. <laughs> and obviously, it's very hard for it to live up to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, in which, oh, yeah. uh, no, in which Shia LaBeouf reminded us just what a wide range he has. I think that everyone's first favorite film by Spielberg is obviously the Last Crusade. Um, is obviously um, Kingdom of the Kingdom Crystal, of Crystal Skull. Skull. Does it even worth mentioning? No, exactly. I mean, that's clearly that's top. Of the- okay, so to bring this to a conclusion. We, it was, there was a clear winner, which was that we both had Jaws, and now you've thrown the most almighty spanner in the world by coming up with Indiana Jones. There's got to be a boat say. reference there that we can do. Yeah, we are going to need a bigger boat. But, um, <laughs> so, it, have you seen AI recently? I haven't. I'll, right. I'll make sure to check it out again. Okay. I would like you to watch AI again, because I, you know, and I will happily watch Catch Me If You Can, because I think that's the one that you've, you seem you're the most excited about. Yeah, because I think Jurassic Park for me is like, standard one of the most amazing things i've ever seen and then i think catch me if you can is just is just perfect like i think i think just as a because jurassic park is like this big adventure thing that i grew up on but catch me if you can is just this surprising yeah what you know you, you were surprised when i said it like it's one of these ones yeah, that people yeah, sort yeah, of forget yeah. about yes I, I forgot about it in the same way that you'd forgotten about indiana jones in the last crusade <laughs> i mean wow okay all right but so but i think it's safe to say that the ones that we are both personally most invested in Oh, catch me if you can. Yep. And AI. So I, I, I definitely will check out AI again. I will definitely check out Catch Me If You Can again. I can guarantee you that on my video shelf at home, I have a video of, of Jaws and a video of uh, Last Crusade, and I am never choosing Last Crusade over the possibility of watching That's, Jaws again. It's so funny, isn't it? Because like, I, I don't think... It's not if, funny, Jack. It's actually quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> and a little sad. I don't think that... I would have expected or even thought to go to AI 
ever no, again okay. if you hadn't have said oh give it another chance because right. you that you're putting it in your top three of like I mean, you know and neither of us have mentioned saving private ryan yeah. which i think is obviously amazing well it's half an hour of a brilliant movie followed by two hours of a not such a great movie but it's it's, it's three hours long which is why i don't really ever revisit it yeah. and i don't really don't i don't i feel weird just watching 25 minutes and then stopping yeah because that, i know that's like watching the first 25 minutes of clockwork orange and then going oh yeah but then he, after that he, it's, there's the other stuff yeah i mean it is there, there is there is brutal stuff in saving private ryan but the thing is it's so front-ended that that you know after once they're off the beach the rest is like where do you go from that's here? all anyone ever talks about obviously yeah. which is um, a shame because there is actually other interesting stuff in it you know but uh, including the shot of the mother kneading bread in the house when the, the car arrives up the thing which is one of Spielberg's most are you getting this <laughs> it's it, she's a good person and bad news is coming Stephen, get offset. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack. Well, I look forward to you coming back. I, I, I might give Last Crusade uh, uh, another look. It's if you, really if you, fun. If you, okay, if you watch AI, I'll watch Last Crusade. All right, deal. All right. Okay, fair enough. Thanks a lot. So there you go. That was me talking to Jack Howard about our top three Spielberg movies. Please send us your suggestions of your top three favourite Spielberg films. You can get in touch through Twitter. I'm at, at Kermode Movie. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please remember, do subscribe. Thanks for listening. Keep watching the skies. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.